The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gallup? You are listening to BGN Radio. This is episode 55, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host today, Michael Kist, filling in for John Stolness as this is a special episode. Follow my work at BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Joined today by BLG. Brandon Lee Gowton, who is there live at the NovaCare Complex covering OTAs. BLG, how you doing today, brother? Mike, I almost called you John at first, so I'm glad I didn't <laughs> do that. That would have been pretty bad. A rocky start. Yeah, rocky start, but I'm doing good, Mike. Uh, I have a lot of good things to tell you about from what I saw at practice today, including one Carson Wentz. Ooh. Speaking of Carson Wentz, let's kind of transition into that by talking about something that was said about him by an ESPN analyst. That ESPN analyst is, of course, Lewis Riddick, who has worked in the league and is a guy who I place a lot of value in when it comes to his talent for valuation. Perhaps that's my scouting academy bias, but Riddick knows his stuff. And he recently tweeted out the following over the Memorial Day weekend, quote, QB Carson Wentz will be the hashtag NFL hashtag MVP for the 2019 season. Just wanted to put that out there on this spectacular holiday. You're welcome. Hashtag Eagles, unquote. Uh, he also doubled down later saying that he doesn't say this kind of stuff lightly. He has said it on TV as well. There's more to this story on BleedingGreenNation.com. And in terms of the expectations for Wentz, we've talked about it a ton on this feed, but we've also done it with outside voices, including Mark Schofield, my co-host on the QB Sco Show. And I also spoke with the director of football and research of Sports Info Solutions, Matt Manicharian, who is very positive about the outlook for Wentz. So let's get your reaction to that take, BLG. What were your thoughts on the 2019 NFL MVP today. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just one opinion, obviously, Lewis Riddick, but I guess you can look at it, okay, what does this opinion matter? And you kind of establish some credibility there, Mike, uh, in terms of his background. Uh, obviously, he used to work for the Eagles too. It always kind of makes me wonder, you know, if someone who kind of, and he's from the area, uh, kind of has that take, because it feels like there's some kind of, I don't think he's necessarily an Eagles fan, but, you know, there's some kind of homerism or at least some from familiarity, even if it's not like yeah. he's necessarily rooting for the team. But you're just you follow a lot of Philly people. You're still connected. So you, it's just on your mind. So I wonder about that. But I do look at Lewis Riddick's track record and I see that in 2017, he was very bullish on Jared Goff. And sure enough, Jared Goff had a really 
a huge improvement, obviously, from his rookie season in 2016, which he stunk out loud, to 2017, where he performed a bunch better. And Riddick was also among those who was very bullish on Patrick Mahomes. And he literally said that he's going to light the league on fire. And I would say Patrick (laughs) Mahomes did that last year, the 50 touchdown passes and winning the MVP. So uh, Lewis Riddick seems to have a good kind of track record with this kind of thing. And there's every reason, plenty of reason to feel good about Carson Wentz. Not just him, himself, being fully healthy now, having this offseason to get ready for the season. And yeah, obviously injuries and inconsistency, you can also point to things while you're skeptical. But I just think more so you're seeing that, okay, this offense around Carson Wentz is going to be really good. They still have Doug Peterson, who's one of the best head coaches in the league. Their backfield is tremendously upgraded from last year when Josh Adams was their leading rusher. Now you have Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, who hasn't practiced yet, by the way, which is kind of disappointing. We don't even know exactly what that's all about, but I'm sure when he gets on the field, he'll be showing some good things as well. Uh, That's just the running backs. That doesn't even mention Deshaun Jackson, who is looking very good out there in OTAs and seems to already have a a good rapport with Carson Wentz at this point early in the offseason, which is nice to see, and Alshon Jeffrey. And again, I haven't even mentioned the tight ends yet. So that's, that's <laughs> Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. Like those guys are still pretty good, really, really good. For Carson Wentz to have all these weapons to work with and for him to get healthy and to recapture that MVP like form that he had in 2017. Like, we know that ceiling is there. We might not know for yeah. sure if he's going to reach it, but we know the ceiling is there. It's possible. And I think generally, as a whole, a league is kind of sleeping on Carson Wentz a little bit. Maybe even Eagles fans are yeah. a little bit. I feel like that's kind of the general sentiment. Obviously, you have people who are very bullish on Wentz still, as they should be. But I feel like some people are kind of sleeping on him, and I think those people are going to regret it. Yeah, that's one of the questions I have for Mark Schofield when we talked about Wentz and broke down his game in his 2018 season. Was Carson Wentz kind of becoming underrated? And our thought was yes. You know, Mutually, we agreed on that. And to your large point there, where you talked about the talent around him, that was something that I mentioned to you last week on BGN Radio. Uh, Riddick was saying how much talent that the Eagles were putting around Wentz to put him in a position to succeed. So it's not just about Wentz it's the it's about the supporting cast as well so it's a good argument to make there and I can understand their concerns and maybe not wanting to be on this certain level with Wentz as far as what your expectation of him is because he obviously has to get through the season healthy but I'm not expecting him to get hurt like that's not the mindset that I'm having coming into the season if he plays 16 games I don't see why there's any reason why he won't be in that discussion considering the highs that he has shown and that and the talent that he has around them and let's talk about some of that talent a little bit more around him under the framework of OTAs today and BLG I'm going to have more thoughts on this when I drop the at the podium with offensive coordinator Mike Rowe tomorrow But he caught my attention and yours when he said that Dallas Goddard was a starter along with Zach Ertz. Now, Benjamin Solak wrote a great piece about how 12 personnel saved the Eagles season, and he's not wrong. When two tight ends were on the field, the Eagles had higher success rates both in passing and in the running game, and they were second only to the Texans in their frequency of using those 12 personnel sets. Now, I know Goddard looked great last week. Was that more of the same and how the tight end group overall look? Yeah, I saw that again at OTAs today, definitely in the red zone, especially. But the thing with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz is they're both very good at getting open. Uh, Ertz being, you know, just such a, a masterful route runner, just really understanding leverage and obviously how to create space for himself, something he's really, really good at. 
and Dallas Goddard doesn't even have to be open. <laughs> he he can be he can have someone on him, and he's just such a beast of a man that he can go up there, and he's so strong with his hands uh, and his body control when he's in the air, you know, and fighting for the ball. Like he gets that ball and it's his, and no one else is getting it. So you know, I saw that again today, and it, honestly, maybe this is sounding. Uh, pompous or whatever you want to call it, but I'm almost expecting it at this point. You know, it's not even like surprising. Yeah. I saw it last week. I'm like, all right, this is carrying over from last year. Might be even better. Uh, Ertz looks as dominant as ever. You know, those two guys are really good, and they're going to get open a lot, and they're going to make life hard on defense. Like those are two really great weapons for Carson Wentz. And again, those two guys are only part of this huge package of other options he has to work with. And we'll talk about even some of the lesser names that may, might not even make huge contributions but are solid players. We talked about rookie J.J. Arcego-Whiteside last week, and he didn't quite come down with a catch. He was in the right position, did everything right, didn't quite come down with one. I heard he came down with one today, though, in the red zone. Am I correct on that? You are. He definitely had a great Pretty much textbook J.J. Arcega-Whiteside catch when you watch his highlights from Stanford where Carson Wentz throws it up on a fade in the end zone. And Sidney Jones has really good coverage, I think, on J.J., but, I mean, he just didn't stand a chance because J.J. is going <laughs> up there and he's going to get that ball and he's going to display that really just uncanny body control to be able to keep himself in bounds and to finish the catch, make the play. I mean, that's just, that's great to see. Not only because of JJ's development and where he can potentially help this team in year one, but also the fact that we're seeing Carson Wentz make those throws, right? We didn't yeah. see him always pull the trigger on those in 2018, those trust throws. Like, we needed to see more of that, especially when it came to Alshon and that connection. So, obviously, Alshon isn't attending OTAs uh, right now. So, JJ is here to work with, and Carson throwing it up to him like that. It's just, an encouraging sign. Now, one thing I will say about JJ that wasn't so good is he kind of had an, a similar play to the one you just described, Mike, where uh, he goes up and he gets it like the ball is in his hands, but he gets contacted. You know, it's a non-contact practice, so he's not getting full on tackled. So that's kind of even mm. worse. Uh, but, you know, he's getting bumped uh, or maybe someone's stripping at the ball as he's going down, which they're allowed to do. And he kind of just hasn't been able to finish that play. So I'd like mm. to see that. You know, and again, you know, he's a rookie. He's learning a bunch of different things. That's something I'm not worried about with him. I'm sure he'll tighten it up. But just, you know, that's kind of a reminder that he's not ready to be this full-time superstar just yet. Yeah, and you mentioned the tight window throws from Carson Wentz, or you alluded to it. And that's interesting that you put it that way because we didn't see as much of that last year. In 2017, Carson Wentz led the league in next-gen stats aggressiveness rating. Tops in the league, the most aggressive quarterback in the league. And what they call aggressiveness is throwing to a wide receiver who, when the ball gets there, has a defender within a yard of him. So he's within arm lengths of this guy and able to make a play on the ball. And Wentz was very, very aggressive in 2017. Now, he was still tops in the leagues those other two years as a pro, both his rookie year and in his third year. But we did see a little bit of a drop-off. So we do think that Wentz can be even more aggressive. And if he's going to have that MVP caliber type season, those are the throws that we're going to need to see and some of those throws are going to have to be to one of the new additions possibly down the field maybe Deshaun Jackson we're going to talk about his deep threat ability but first I want to talk about his punt returning ability because at practice today the Eagles had Deshaun Jackson Boston Scott Danelle Pumphrey shout out Solak and DeAndre <laughs> Tompkins fielding punts now I don't expect Deshaun to be the regular punt returner and he's only taken eight of them in the last three years combined but maybe maybe I remember him being really clutch in emergency situations and that could be really fascinating if they choose to use him in that capacity this year maybe it'll lead to something special we can only hope right well mike you said um solak after 
Donald Pumphrey's name. I think that was a mistake because obviously Ben Solak's off the Donald Pumphrey train. He's all aboard the Boston Scott Hive. I don't know, man. Have you seen him on Twitter? He, he mentioned <laughs> he mentioned Donald Pumphrey again. And I was like, Ben, don't do oh, this, man. He? He's going back yeah. to the well. He can't help himself. Uh, poor Ben. Uh, but yeah, when you look at those guys, Mike, I mean, how many of those guys are guaranteed to make the team? Uh, one, right? <laughs> you know, Deshaun Jackson. So I, I'm like kind of curious about what's going to happen there. Maybe one of those guys makes the team a little bit unexpectedly. I mean, Boston Scott has a chance, I think, mm-hmm. and Donald Pumphrey, in theory, has a chance, I think. Um, but yeah, again, those are they're hardly you know roster locks by any means. And neither is DeAndre Tompkins, you know, an undrafted rookie free agent. Kind of interested to see what happens at that spot. Uh, Deshaun was only taking like a rep here and there. You know, there he's a he's a veteran. You know, he's not going to be getting a ton of those reps in practice. He he basically was like, all right, I got my rep, I'm good. Now I'm going to watch the rest of the time. It feels like those veterans because we saw the same thing from Golden Tate. Golden Tate was still fielding punts yeah. and whatnot in training camp for the Lions, even though he wasn't like their guy doing that. It just feels like that's like a skill set you keep fresh in case you need to break glass in case of emergency and put him out there for a special situation. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where we'll see Deshaun. You know, used him. I, I can't imagine you know he's the full time punt returner. You know, that's no, hard right. to imagine. But I think you know the Eagles will want to use him, pick their spots with him. There's times probably to be aggressive with him. Uh, maybe like a division game, you know, or, you know, you're down and it's kind of an emergency or you're just against you know, the Giants an offense. Yeah. Or against the Giants and Matt Dodge is out there and you just need a big play. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's just one of the many things to be excited about with Deshaun coming back. So when we come back here on BGN Radio, episode 55, we're covering OTAs. We're going to talk a little bit more about the offense, but then we're going to be mainly focusing on the defensive side of the ball and what BLG saw live at the Novacare Complex. That's coming up next right after this. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we are back on BGN Radio, episode 55, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm Michael Kist here with Brandon Lee Gowton, who is live at the Novacare Complex covering OTA today's on Tuesday, May 28th. BLG, anything different on the offense? I know that Halapuli Vatiwatai is still taking snaps at right guard, which is, a, we talked about that. I feel like that's a good fit for him. Was there anything else on offense that stood out for you before we switch sides? Uh, just really Deshaun, going back to him, his connection mm-hmm. with Carson Wentz is looking promising early on you know they've only had well at least i've seen two ota practices that they've had together and they already seem to be on the same page which is not something to be taken for granted because i think you look at some other additions in years past like nick Foles and mike wallace were getting a lot of reps together last year but they never like really seem to be on the same page at all uh so some guys click i think you know faster than other guys do and with the sean I mean, really, he has a history of making quarterbacks uh, look better than, not necessarily better than they are, but like (laughs) improving their stats and making them look good. And I'm already seeing that with Carson where, and it's not even the deep ball, which I think is encouraging because that'll come. Like, I'm not worried about Deshaun getting open deep down the field and Carson Wentz being able to hit him. Now, I'd like to see it, you know, to have even more confidence, but I feel like that's something they should be able to figure out 
And that's something we're probably not always going to see in practice too. Just like, again, Deshaun's a veteran. He's not going to go all out in practice and nor should he, you know, he should save himself for the games that actually matter. That's, that's quite okay. But with that said, you know, just seeing Deshaun work on some of these short and intermediate concepts and, and Carson Wentz being able to hit the, hit him on those and it kind of just looking like easy and, you know, nothing forced at all. And they're, they're, again, they're on the same page there. That's really encouraging to me. I think Deshaun is going to be like a really good. I mean, we already know he's going to be a really good addition for this offense, but like, don't take it for granted. Like, I think he's going to be a very significant factor in, you know, from last year to this year, just his presence being here, like how much that means for this offense. Yeah. And working that short to intermediate of the field, we kind of talked about it last week, but we'll double down on that again. You know, we bring in a deep threat. And when you think deep threat, you think that's all he is. He's a one trick pony. And that could have been one of the guys that we brought in in the draft if we were looking for a speed Deshaun Jackson has a full route tree and we're going to fully exploit that route tree and it matches up really well with Carson Wentz and what he does well so that connection is going to be awesome to see this year and you hope they get a full 16 together because they could really light things up. BLG switching over to the defensive side of the ball we still have a missing persons report on Malcolm Jenkins however Jim Schwartz today mentioned that when the chips are down I think the quote was something like when the chips are down, Malcolm Jenkins is a guy that you can count on. Do you have anything yeah. to add as far as Malcolm Jenkins goes? Because I did see Zach Rosenblatt suggested that possibly the issue with Jenkins, and we kind of talked about this too being a possibility with the lack of guaranteed money that he has left of his contract, and then possibly the impending lockout when the CBA expires in 2021, that he may be trying to protect himself against that. Um, is there any new information on that, and how did the safety group look? Yeah, that's a different, or, and that's an interesting thought for sure. I think it's the, kind of just the same thing we talked about last week, but I will note, as Alexis Chasson pointed out, BGN's own, that Malcolm Jenkins was hanging out with the secondary over <laughs> Memorial Day weekend. It looks like they were having fun, so it certainly looks like there's no issue with his teammates. Seems like they're all pretty cool with him missing time. I think they get it. You know, they respect him. So yeah, and Jim Schwartz, the way he was talking about Mike, Malcolm Jenkins, basically made it sound like you know he doesn't really care that he's not yeah. there. He might prefer it in the sense that okay, they can run you know some of these younger guys like like or someone who needs to prove themselves more like Trey Sullivan with the first team. Mm. Kind of see you know what you have there. Uh, you know, can he actually build on what he's shown to this point? Yeah, so I don't think there's a huge difference there. One thing I will say about Schwartz, where I was talking about the safety position, Mike, and this isn't hashtag jersey number analytics, although I do I have a very ask. important update on that later. We can <laughs> save that towards the end. Uh, but I have a nickname, hashtag nickname analytics, which you're free to use if you're listening to this. Now, this is the theory that whenever you hear a coach refer to a player by a nickname, especially if it's, you know, not like a star player who is obviously going to be on the team, but like a fringe guy in the case of Andrew Sandejo. The fact that Jim Schwartz called him Dejo, yeah. and that's probably a good chance or a good sign for his roster chances and subsequently a bad sign for the, the fourth round comp pick that the Eagles potentially get for him. Now, a lot of things can change. That might mean nothing, but I don't know. It could mean something. I think I think it means a lot, man. I was listening to that, too, and it really stood out to me. Now, as far as moving from safety, let's go to the linebacker group, because what I could tell from your timeline today as I scrolled looking for updates, there were at least two linebackers just really showing out, those being Camus Hill, who was getting first-team reps with LJ Fort in light of the absence of Nigel Bradham and Zach Brown, and then also T.J. Edwards, the undrafted free agent from Wisconsin, seemingly had a day. 
How are the linebackers looking? Because it's starting to look like this group, which was perceived to be a weakness by many coming into the offseason and even after the draft, is starting to look like really good and really deep. Yeah, I think this is this kind of practice setting with OTAs is a place for guys like Kamu, who is better in coverage, to shine. He's flashed. He made a really good play at the goal line today, breaking up a pass for Dallas Goddard. Not an easy thing to do. Not too many guys. Uh-huh. Dallas Goddard, when like I said earlier, when he's around the ball, it's usually his. It's not someone mm-hmm. else batting it away. So for Kamu to do that was pretty good. And Kamu was feeling pretty good about himself after doing that, by the way. <laughs> he he stared Dallas Goddard down, and he said, get that ish out of here. So <laughs> love the fire that yeah. Kamu was bringing on May 28th of OTAs. Uh, really good energy from him. And then TJ Edwards, yeah, same kind of deal where just him looking natural, uh, really in coverage. He was defending uh, Wendell Smallwood over the middle, broke up a pass, looked pretty good. Also sniffed out a screen, uh, also impressed with that. So, yeah, you know, obviously the Eagles gave him the biggest sign, uh, guaranteed amount of money of all their undrafted rookie free agent signings. And he was a guy that a lot of people thought would be drafted on day three. Um, someone's early round five or so. Um, so definitely a guy to continue to watch. And just encouraging to see. I don't, you know, I don't know if he's going to play a big role, especially when you already have Nigel Bradham and Zach Brown ahead of him. But another thing too that I liked with Edwards is, you know, he's calling the plays out there on the second team defense, and it's just kind of cool to see a rookie be thrown to the fire like that and kind of have that responsibility and doesn't seem shy about it at all. Really, kind of has embraced that role. So, I like what I'm seeing out of those two linebackers. The place where I feel that Edwards really has a step ahead is that mental stuff because this is a guy who stepped in and started right away. He started four years, played 53 games, 215 solo tackles. Like this guy has been around it and was obviously the quarterback of that defense. So the mental aspect, this part of it right now, like you said, calling out the plays, being that leader on the field, that vocal voice on the field is definitely somewhere where he should shine. We'll see what happens when preseason comes and we get some more live action of him. But definitely intriguing and a guy that I think both of us feel has a decent path to the roster. So we'll be tracking that as we go along. Uh, Casey Young, friend of the show, longtime listener, had a question for you, BLG. You answered it on Twitter, but I want to make sure that the listeners hear it as well. What was the defensive end rotation looking like at OTAs? Yeah, so you have, obviously, Brandon Graham. So Derek Barnett isn't there still. Why didn't I talk about that? That's weird, too. Yeah, torn rotator cuff. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he's still on the mend. Yeah, yeah that's weird. I, I feel like we haven't even been talking about him, uh, which yeah. is significant because he's due for a big year. <laughs> and Jim Schwartz, uh, I thought, kind of talking about him today, that was interesting. He, you know, I think a lot of us, us as you know, media observers, fans, whatever you want to call it, feel like we still need to see Derek Barnett prove some things. Mm. Not that to prove that, you know, he's not worthless because we, we already know he can be a starter on this defense. He can be a good contributor. You know, is he elite? And to the Eagles, I think you look at, you know, the the moves they've made or the moves they didn't make, depending on, you know, who you thought they could have brought in at defensive end. And it seems like they have a lot of confidence in Derek Barnett. And Jim Schwartz said today on Tuesday that the team feels like he was playing at a very high level before he got yeah. hurt last year. And when specifically being asked about, like, what does Derek Barnett need to show Jim Schwartz wasn't like, oh, well, he needs to regress here and here. He was basically like, he just needs to get healthy. Like, they they feel good about where his progression is at. And it was kind of a different answer for Sidney Jones, who, you know, obviously <laughs> isn't at the same point in his development as Derek Barnett. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. But to get back to Casey's question there, so you have Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham as your starting defensive ends, and then you have Josh Sweat and Joe Osman. 
the man with the big arms uh, on the other side. And I like what I saw out of Osman today. You know, it's just OTAs and you can only make so much out of what you see. But I think he's been get generating good pressure off the edge. So I kind of get where the Eagles are always praising him, maybe a little bit excessively at times. But still, uh, I, I see some of the appeal there, at least. And another thing on the defensive line while we're here, I'm talking about what Jim Schwartz said to say on Tuesday, a lot of praise for... Hassan Ridgeway, which is yeah. like, are, is Jim Schwartz trolling us? Like, is he <laughs> is he just throwing out a name out there? Because like, he, he, I mean, if he says it, people are gonna have to point it out that he said it. So I, I feel like Jim Schwartz might be trolling us, or maybe they actually do like him. I mean, they obviously traded for him; they didn't give up much. It was a very late seventh round pick in this year's draft. But um, yeah, that's another thing to watch, I guess. Yeah, it was interesting that he brought him up, but then like right after that BLG, he kind of went into the whole song of dance where. You know, on May 28th, in 27 years in the NFL, I could probably make you a whole all-star team of, you know, training camp guys that really showed out, never did anything in the league. So he kind of like tempered expectations, but he was really building up Ridgeway, which I found interesting. So we'll see if that kind of holds over. I mean... If Ridgeway makes any kind of contribution on this team, I definitely think that the trade was worth it. So I'm glad that he's at least in this setting kind of proving himself to the coaching staff and everything is going well there. BLG, I'll give you uh, one last vine here. Give me the jersey number analytics and any closing thoughts or additional thoughts today for OTAs. So probably the most important thing on this entire podcast is the (laughs) hashtag jersey number analytics update. I actually slacked. Benjamin Solak with this update during practice today. I said, Ben, uh, I have something really important to tell you. And I think I scared Ben because he was like, uh, oh my, I dropped the news that Casey Tucker, an offensive tackle, is wearing number 50. Oh, Now, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but that's a linebacker number. I am not sure... If Casey Tucker, who's obviously an undrafted free agent, I think he was uh, he was in their tryout, the, the the mini camp rookie mini camp tryout player, no chance to make the team anyway. But he has super no chance now because he's not even taking it seriously. Like he's literally he's wearing number fifty as an offensive tackle, and it actually kind of looks fitting because he's lining when the Eagles are doing their group install, they always use like their third and fourth or fifth string, whatever as far as it goes, their linemen there as defenders, quote unquote, as their defensive linemen when they're doing install. Uh, so it kind of looks okay because he's number 50 and, and he's pretending to play defense in install. But uh, yeah, really just it kind of makes you wonder like, if he's taking this seriously. It's, it's kind of concerning, to be honest. <laughs> he's going to have to make a position change. Oh, one last thing before we go, BLG. Man, what is up with Miles Sanders? Do you know why we haven't seen him since since rookie minicamp? Because he participated in rookie minicamp. Has not been on the field yet for OTAs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Eagles are really good with injuries, though. So you don't have to worry about any kind <laughs> of funny thing. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. That's kind of – it's just weird. Like, I don't know. What am I – you know, I, I – he, he was out there. I think I, saw, I, I know he was out there for sure last week. I don't know if I saw him for sure today. I heard some people say they saw him out there. I didn't see him personally. So if he's out there, I tend to think that's a good sign. You know, he's, I don't know, it could be a hamstring or what, something nagging, something not a huge deal. He's not Matt Collins where he just off the yeah, face of the earth gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So um, I don't know. Hopefully it's nothing super serious and hopefully we see him back soon because it'd be great to see him. And you brought up Miles Sanders, Mike. Uh, Jordan Howard, not looking too bad for as good as a running back can look in practice. Nice. There's kind of been this weird talk to me that like, oh, uh, he can't catch the ball. And I, I don't think that's true. I think if you look at his career, Jordan Howard is a 1.5 receptions per game player. So he's clearly not a big 
part of the passing attack, and nor should he be with his skill set. He's not a guy who you like are dying to get out in space and throw him the ball and have him with the ball in his hands and make people miss. That's not the kind of player he is. But that doesn't mean like he literally can't catch. I think uh, LeGarrette Blunt kind of got that rep too. Like LeGarrette Blunt didn't have bad hands. His hands were fine, but he's just not the kind of back who's going to excel as a receiver out of the backfield and in space. Like you can do it to, you can throw him the ball and he's going to catch it. And, uh, you know, he can get what's there and it's fine, but you're not going to design your offense around that. So with that said, though, I like what I've seen out of Jordan Howard. So kudos to him while Miles Sanders is missing. So I looked up this stat while you were talking there. I went to Pro Football Focus and I see that the drop rate for Jordan Howard was big in 2017 where he had six drops on 29 catchable balls. But it seemed like in 2018, he cleaned that up 20 catchable balls. 20 receptions, 0% drop rate. So maybe it was a weird thing for him getting acclimated to the league. And now he has fixed that issue because zero drops, even if it's just on 20 catchable balls, that's a lot better than it was the previous year, which looked pretty abysmal. So yeah, he's not totally incompetent in that area. He can catch a round thing that's thrown at him, which is good as a (laughs) professional, should be required. But yeah, so we'll see with Jordan Howard how much he has to do with the passing game. But I certainly think he can at least be a decent check down option. And obviously his pass protection skills pay the bills. So, BLG, that is going to do it for BGN Radio, episode 55. Make sure you're listening throughout the week. BLG will be talking more with John Stolnes later on in the week for episode 56, talking about OTAs and whatever other topics they come across. The Kiston Solak Show will drop again this week as well. You've got all your at the podium, so you can hear all the coach speak and whatever I add on to those little shows. So keep it locked on here on Bleeding Green Nation. Been a little too nice to y'all. I got a up price on y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hay. I won't get involved today. Got lost in the ball and A's. I'm flipping the balls and flipping the B-G-N.